Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's messy and it's in a bowl. And it's in my hands. <laughs> You're scaring me, sir. Unleash the new generation and the world wrestling federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Oh, fans, bollocks, said the lads from Cultaholic, aware that soon wrestling fans will return to wrestling shows around the world. Oh, fans, bollocks, say we, contemplating a a seemingly dying World Wrestling Federation during the new generation era, where they're quite few and far between. Who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion Tom Campbell. I am in the company of the bear in the big blue bar cage, Titan Shrugged. He is the head pen of Cultaholic. He does not need a pencil. He gets it right every gosh darn time. He is Justin Henry, and he is off off of the USS Intrepid. So in a week's time when we record... What will the mood be from you and your fellow Englishmen? It's coming Um, (laughs) up. I don't know. Oh, mate. It's got to get through Denmark first. Oh, do you know? Okay, right. I'm going to I'm going to put this out into the world, mate, um, before we we talk about Fourth of July, because I'm going to get some heat for this. Right. If if I was if if I was if this was wrestling, if this was the wrestling and this tournament was booked like a wrestling show, Denmark should win. No, because of uh, mm-hmm. what happened to Christian Eriksen. Exactly. That's that's kind of a that's kind of a, a great story to tell. And I kind of feel like England are going into this match as the heels. <laughs> no, but they're, but they're the home team. They are, but it's it's kind of it's got that vibe of of the. Canadian Stampede in Canada, in the sense that the hearts were ostensibly the heels, but in Canada they were the baby faces. So you're saying this is like when, um, whenever John Cena would wrestle in Boston and get booed anyway? <laughs> God, 
kind of the the other but the other caveat to that as like to make the John Cena reference as well that another caveat that kind of makes us the heels is that uh, apparently Boris Johnson is dragging his heels on on green lighting Denmark as a country that people can travel to and from which suggests that the fan turnout for Denmark in Wembley will be low that feels like a heel thing to do <laughs> It kind of feels like, you know, that's like kind of making all the, that's like making all the lumberjacks heels. That's kind of what they're doing. Are you saying Boris Johnson is Mr. McMahon? I think there is no chance. And I I have to say this, there is, there is absolutely, alas, no chance in hell of, 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 of you winning in, 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 in the European championship over England. Um, I think if this... If this leads to Christian Eriksen driving in on a Zamboni. <gasps> He's out of the medical facility! It's Christian Eriksen in the 89th minute! Oh, I shouldn't say this against my countrymen. I really shouldn't, but all I'm thinking about, like, if this was... But then, mind you, I would say also, if this was booked... If this was WWE booking the tournament, it'd probably be an Italy-Germany final. <laughs> Just everyone gets booed. It would probably be that. Um... But except if you're in Germany and Italy, big shout out to Italy and Germany. You, you test very well on the podcast feed. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm very aware of how the rest of the continent will be perceiving it on, on, on Wednesday. Just cheer for your country. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. Oh, yeah, I'm going to. But it was it, that was a little. what other people think. Just enjoy what you enjoy. <laughs> I'm going to. Oh, I will. And I absolutely will. I'll cheer on England. Yeah. Every goal they every goal I'm... they score against stupid Denmark. Uh, I will I mean, cheer. I mean, I mean, goddamn. When I was watching the Eagles in the Super Bowl 52, I was thinking, man, it's going to suck being a Cowboys and a Giants fan watching this. You know, the, you know, the str- <laughs> <laughs> you know, the struggle, but you didn't let it get you down. Well, it wasn't a struggle. It, it was like <laughs> a long time, huh, Dallas? <laughs> oh, Denmark, what a great story to tell. Oh, I'm sorry. We're not telling that story today. <laughs> what a pity, never mind. How was the 4th of July over in, in the America? Did you have a lovely American Independence Day? I was just happy because it was temperate. We've had some really hot days this past week, and it was cold down over the weekend, so it was good grilling weather. Oh, did you barbecue? Uh, actually, I ate at my uh, parents' house. Nice. My father was the master chef. Amazing. That's nice. Did it feel a bit more like a normal 4th of July this time around? It did and it didn't because I think the people who set off, who set off fireworks every year and didn't get to really do it last year really overcompensated this year because my neighborhood looked like um, a, pyro, a WrestleMania pyro accident. <laughs> oh, God. I can imagine. I mean, just, just colors on all sides of them. My residence here, and I'm just like, I mean, even beyond midnight, it was still going. Where do you stand on fireworks? I personally don't mind them. They're kind of neat, but it's like, like it, it, if they didn't exist or they got rid of them, I wouldn't be that upset. It's just like, I could do with them, I could do without them. Mm, yeah, I, I just, I think that the novelty of them is great when you're a kid, but I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say bad them. Like, because but I know a lot of pets and that don't like them. I know that they just their purpose is a bit old hat. Wow, I'm, make, I'm making you... loads of enemies today, aren't I? <laughs> Denmark should win. Ban fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing well, aren't we? In a, an aging Tom here has had enough of fun. <laughs> <laughs> of a old man yells at cloud. 
candles. Do you know what it is, though? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Is because we, we mentioned this before we hit record today. It's because, like, I'm obviously a little bit leaning towards the more negative because, spoiler, Raw was good. Not, 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 not Raw last night in 2021. <laughs> I mean, like, Raw in 1995. This Raw we watched, Justin, it was, it was a good episode. I know it won't. Is on on the merit of one and a half matches, really. But what are one and a half matches? You know, they didn't they didn't open themselves up for too much. Too not not completely, but not too much bother on 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 the show in question. Just to end the fireworks discussion, though, um, I didn't notice when the movie got rid of Pyro, whatever year that was, because like like everybody on on Reddit would be like be bitching like like they should bring Pyro back. I'm like they got rid of it. That's how little I noticed it. <laughs> I I think the pyro might have gone in like 2017, and then it was only when AEW went, "Hey, look, we have got fireworks." No, it, it it was I I I I remember when Greatest Royal Rumble had pyro. And everyone's like, oh, 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 "They get it? Why can't we have it here? We want the fireworks again. We want a fake Yokozuna. <laughs> Fuck it, you cowards. Fokozuna." <laughs> <laughs> I'd have gone no Kozuna. <laughs> Tofu Zuna. Tofu Zuna! John, all three of those. <laughs> in, in perpetuity. All three of those. That'd be very nice. Thank you, John Eiley. Um, let's get into this week's Raw. Before we do, actually, um, I'm going to give you some uh, writings from the Wrestling Observer from this week. Which week, where and when are we for this week, Justin Henry? Well, since it is the night after a pay-per-view, we are live Monday, July 24th, 1995 from the famed and historic Louisville Gardens in Louisville, Kentucky. We are still... How close are we to Danville, PA? In terms of what? In terms of distance. <laughs> um, quite, quite a good many miles, I would imagine. Probably close to 1,000. Right. So it's, okay, fair enough. I'm just, just curious, the geography. While you're reading, I'll check, see how close that was. <laughs> okay, so uh, that is where and when we are for this week. I'm going to take a look at the Wrestling Observer from this week to give you a little idea of what the rest of the wrestling world is up to this week. Uh, some notes from the yeah. WWF as well. Actually, I was aware of it's 615 miles. Okay, that's a little cheeky road trip. <laughs> so the big... About nine hours. The bats, easy, they could do that, no worries. Uh, the the big story out of the dub dub f which we uh, talked about in fact Justin talked about during our in your house to watch along thank you again to uh, the the professor uh, Nick Harrison for joining us for that one he was fun wasn't he mm -hmm. oh, it was a lot of fun don't call him Mo <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun always fun to talk to someone for, who was of that time period has some recollection of. A new generation WBF. I know we get a lot of people on here that have no have no frame of reference, so it's more fun to see them react to what we grew up with. But to, but to have someone on here who's a little bit more knowledgeable of that period and what they remember, that was good too. And and, and Nick was a very entertaining and very fun to have around. Hopefully, we have him back on sometime. He will be back sooner than you realize. Uh, so keep an eye on the podcast. Oh God, he's here now! Here, oh. ha -ha! He's dancing his way into the ring. Uh, so uh, the big news from the in your from in your house, which uh, Justin talked about last week, Jarrett and the roadie are gone. 
So they walked out during the pay-per-view, unhappy with the way their storyline was panning out. Uh, Dave Meltzer goes into detail on this, uh, saying they were, of course, unhappy about the angle, which had been a major source of discussion over the past few weeks. There are also rumours with Jarrett's father, Jerry, working as a consultant to WCW, that there's a connection there as well. WCW said to be interested in working with Jeff Jarrett. So what do you reckon, Justin? Um. I'm not sure what his contractual situation was, but but if he had a valid one, which can't see why you wouldn't, or why you'd put your secondary title on someone who had a tenuous contractual uh, situation, um, might be a little bit hard to get out of this deal for, for the time being. Uh, minor spoiler: Jarrett does come back months down the line when the angles um, dies off. But yeah, it's what we discussed. Jarrett didn't like the idea of having two major indignities in one night: one losing the belt in his hometown and two, being exposed as a singing fraud in this hometown. To have both of them in just a one-two combo would be kind of hard to recover from. See, I think it would have been fine. I think it would have been brilliant to have it double down. So, like, all of this, like, his his whole house of cards comes crumbling down on one night. Like, I really like that as a thing. Like, I think that would have been great. And then to see how Jeff Jarrett recovers from that would have been a great story. I just thought it was weird how he thought, oh, no, not all of it at once. So, well, yeah, that's the that's the, that's the joy of it, to watch a heel get built up and built up and built up and then just dropped from a great height. We didn't even get well, that. There's that, but what's the follow-up? I mean, you figure Rudy's going to beat him in the blow-off. Yeah. So then what next for Jarrett? I think a wrestler has a right to consider how they're used to a degree. And I didn't, I didn't remember the part where, where Jerry Jarrett was consulting WCW. So if that's true, maybe it could be something political here. Or maybe they really wanted to stick it to Jeff because uh, their dad's sleeping with the enemy there. Could you imagine if Jeff Jarrett, it turns out that Jeff Jarrett was the Intercontinental Champion uh, with a contentious contractual situation that left them oh. vulnerable. Could you imagine that happening twice? <laughs> Perish the thought. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine that happening to me. They won't happen happen again if that is the case. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. At least for the time being this summer, they won't have any issues with major stars not being under contract when they think they are. <laughs> That's going to be fine. Nudge, nudge, Agatha Wink from... Uh from Marvel. Uh The, the latest on WCW. So... We now have a confirmed locked-in location for WCW Wrestling Nitro, as it is currently called. It is taking place on... Just did that word. Yeah, it, it should have... Oh, yeah, World Championship Wrestling, Wrestling Nitro. <laughs> yes. ATM machine. Uh, the first Monday night show on the 4th of September is being moved to the Mall of America in Minneapolis with a Hulk Hogan singles match as the main event. Uh, there is also a lot of sentiment in putting on one classic match for 20 minutes every week in goal involving guys like Sabu, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman, and Al Snow. There's some interesting names amongst there. Well, Snow was... Snow did negotiate with both sides in 95 before signing with WBF, which... Not really sure how he feels about that. People think of Al Snow as just a guy who carried head around. He was a lot more than that. He was he's gotta be one of the most underrated wrestlers from this time period. Mm -hmm. Great athlete, great timing, you a unique charisma, willing to do anything. Smoky Mountain was a great heel as part of the dynamic duo with Unabom, aka Kane, aka Isaac Yankum. 
he had a lot of upside. And we'll see him on Raw before long in kind of an ill-fitting role. We'll but, but yeah, uh, Bischoff's idea was, was to have that car crash on his shows to be the complement to the main event. Catch everybody with the action and save the angles for the stars. Uh, also in WCW, we talk about uh, saving the angles for the stars. Uh, on the WCW Saturday night program on the 22nd of July, so just a couple of days before this episode of Monday Night Raw, quite an infamous uh, segment went down in WCW history. I wonder if Justin Henry knows what I speak of. Does this involve a certain dark, dank place? <laughs> Perhaps something cavernous? <laughs> something that may or may not be not hot? Hurry, my son! Get away! From the stove, the real white Bengal tiger approaches. The fate has been set. Hurry, hurry, my son. My father, I smell his presence also. I feel him. You get the dark disorder. <laughs> this is. <laughs> <laughs> Join the dank disorder. Um, <laughs> so, let us spin this tale for you. Hulk Hogan finds himself in the lair of the Dungeon of Doom, who have been right buggers to him lately. Where am I? There's no Hulkamaniacs here. I've never been here before! He finds himself wandering around the dungeon, looking for the Taskmaster, looking for Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> to which he is questioning out loud what this place is, and where he is, and where this is, and... <laughs> Why the water's the wrong temperature? <laughs> this is... This is it. <laughs> so, for those who don't know what the hell we're laughing about, there's a spot with a fountain. Just this spout of water. And Hogan puts his hand in it. Come on, Hogan's wearing his normal Hulk Hogan attire. Which makes it He's funnier. fully dressed as Hogan, walking around a cave. <laughs> this is like Batman walking through the apartment store dressed as Batman. <laughs> Just so out of place. So, so Hogan puts his hand into the water. Then he pulls a windshot and goes, ah, It's not hot. It's not hot. <laughs> Why would that be your reaction? We'll just say, oh, wow, that's cold. No, it's not hot. <laughs> it's not hot. And it wasn't like it wasn't like an ex an exclamation of oh, it's not hot. I thought that might have been hot. That's a surprise. Literally, like his arm like re repels back in horror. It's not hot. <laughs> it's... He, he said it like it was the answer on a game show, <laughs> and, and, and time was running out. It's not hot. Yeah. <laughs> like one take, Hogan. Like. <laughs> That's all you get out of me, brother. What is this place? So, uh, after checking the temperature of the water... <laughs> it's not hot. After the temperature water check, um, he confronts Kevin Sullivan. I know you. I know you too. You two are behind the demise of Hulkamania. Uh, not just Kevin Sullivan, but my hero... The wizard, played by King oh, Curtis Iakaya. God, so I, King Curtis, who is the, the, the master of this Dungeon of Doom, bollocks. 
Sullivan, my son! So, Come forth, my son! So Hogan's confronting them. He's going to shut down the Dungeon of Doom. And, they're like, and they've got a secret weapon. I know about the Zodiac. I know about the dangerous Kamala. Oh, yeah. I know about the man-eater. The shark. But Instant Stone is a legacy. The immortality of Hulkamania. And you, too, will be buried beneath that. You don't understand, Hogan. This is where darkness dwells and lives. Nobody has ever been able to defeat the immortal Hulk Hogan except yourself. You see, Hogan? You're the one that created me. And because of that, it's this simple. Your demise is etched in stone. <laughs> Paul White bursts through the wall. <laughs> My power is a million times greater than the power of Hulkamania. I am the greatest giant to ever walk the face of the earth. And I am the one true immortal. <laughs> This, this was something else. This was something else. Somebody wrote this. Somebody signed off on this. Many people acted this and went, that's fine. Somebody edited this and went, that's fine. And somebody, maybe Eric Bischoff, signed off on it and went, yep, that's good to go. <laughs> well, you can't blame, can't blame Ed Wood. He died in 1978. <laughs> well, see... My understanding of this whole thing, is, as, as Kevin Sullivan has kind of described it through the years, the reason why the Dungeon of Doom came together was it was like it, they they knew it was like not good, not hot. They knew it was not hot, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea was to give Hogan some safe, reliable guys to work with, like like Beefcake and John Tenta and Kamala, and and, and do all this dumb stuff to make Hogan look good. So he said, because Hogan was very mistrusting. Like he, like, like, like Hogan, Hogan wants to lay down. I don't know, brother. Like, this is like to win his trust by doing all this fanciful bullshit just so he would be, uh, like, uh, kind of lull him in, in, in to be more of a team player. Like, well, we did all this for you. We gave you a bunch of clowns to punch around. That's basically, that was basically the gist of all this was to make Hogan give him, like, like his, his own little story arc to where he'd in his trust, basically. And, well, you know what? I can't criticize it because it gives us a lot to laugh about years later. Oh, it really does, because these segments are booked in for WCW Saturday night uh, until October. So Eventually the, we... the, the, the story continues. Eventually we'll get a leprechaun. We'll get a shark. As a shark. Kamala. And, and Meng the face of fear. Zodiac. Yes. No. Um, of course, Taskmaster. Um, Hugh Morris, the man of question. <laughs> this is like every rejected Batman villain you could think of. The proper this eye. is Dorkum Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the Legion of Dumb. 
just a, it's just another mention of the Legion of Don't. <laughs> My apologies to Ming right now. This was not your fault. Please don't kill me. He got a golden spike for his sins, as we all remember as the storyline tells us. Because that's what you do when someone's sinned. You go, here, have a weapon. There is a certain campy charm to this that isn't available in modern day Raw. Whereas suicide Raw... should. <laughs> suicide squid. <laughs> it's a... a suicide squid. I think it's a Red Dwarf thing. That was the suicide squid. It's okay. It's a story from Red Dwarf. It's like a very poppy story. It's, um, oh, it's, yeah. I tell you what, if you're a Red Dwarf fan, at JRH writing with what the suicide squid was all about. There you go. You might get a little Red Dwarf tweet. Um, apparently, Paul White, according to David Meltzer, uh, was going to be called the new warrior at this point. Oh my goodness! Could you imagine? Oh my god! He'd <laughs> be Mecha Renegade. <laughs> Could you imagine? He wouldn't be able to run to the ring. He's on thirty a day. He's smoking too many cigarettes. He ain't going to run to the ring. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to picture a big show doing the airplane promo. <laughs> He has the grunty voice to pull it off. He he does actually. He might make. He might. You know what? He's such a he's such a good character actor. He might have made it work. But at this point, he wasn't in the best of shape. Distrusity would have been more exhaustory. Well, I mean, at this point, Giant was actually like really thin. But he still was. But he was still like he wasn't quite the. Pi- <laughs> he's not quite the man he becomes. But then even then. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Maybe this hmm. is the. Maybe I'm doing him a disservice. Maybe this is probably the best shape. But either way, he's not. He's the... throwing drop kicks at this point. That's actually true. That is actually true. He uh, did a moonsault once, I think. He did. Well, no, was he gonna? Was he gonna do one on Kevin Nash? And then Kevin Nash said, "Oh, I've just remembered. I'm I'm ill and I can't make that match." Uh, I, I can't remember if that was the match, but if Nash got out of it at that point when Paul White was much heftier, I can't blame him. No. <laughs> um, from the new warrior to the old warrior, uh, he's back, baby. Because on the night that the Dungeon of Doom promo aired, on the night that Hogan was testing the temperature of the water uh, in Las Vegas, a sellout crowd of two thousand watched Jim Helwig make his return as the Ultimate Warrior uh, and batter the Honky Tonk Man in the main event. Uh, no word on the match quality, says Dave, but it was told that Helwig looked to weigh 280 pounds and was as large and as cut as he was during his most juiced-up period in the WWF. He is scheduled for a return show in Las Vegas once again in September. So this is Warrior back on the scene, apparently. Yeah, this is... um. So no word on match quality, but I'm... I'm going to give it negative stars anyway, just because it's Warrior. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can see Dave saying that. Hang on, let me pull up the... Cause I, I think we looked at the show recently, but, I'm trying, but I know it's kind of a historic event in some ways. 1,100 fans were there. Um, any other notable names? Surely if Not Warrior's really. just on, like they can't afford oh. anyone else. Rob Van Dam was in the semi-main. Oh, wow, Robbie V. It's a protagonist called Aerial Assault with a man named Bobby Bradley. Oh, that's a little piece of history there. Oh, it be Principal Hindu and Superboy. I'm just reading what it says. Poor, poor Superboy. <laughs> he never gets a good book in. Any other, like, is that the most notable match other than the Warrior Honky Tonk man? 
Honking Warrior went 13 minutes. Jesus! Mate, is that counting entrances? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm wondering how much stalling there was. 13 bell to bell. Yeah, they had Honky had to be out the ring, like, singing basically his entire album. Larry Zabisco, head of agent in that match. <laughs> Uh, talking of match quality, mm. here's an interesting one from ECW, and I wanted to bring this up because it kind of it it, it suggests um, that ECW fans weren't always as accepting of the wrestling as okay. we've been led to believe. So this is just coming from Dave. So don't shoot the the massager on this one. Um, Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko had some technical classics at ECW over the past week or so, not as well received as history may tell you. Uh, chants among the fans back and forth of boring and shut the F up, which pretty much took much attention away from the match. The crowd divided as Eddie and Dean are having this technical classic. Some are chanting boring. Others are telling the people who are chanting boring to shut up. Paul E. grabs the house mic during one of these matches and says... I'm sorry if you find a fine display of scientific wrestling boring, but I was wondering if you could peel back your foreskin so I could see your nose. Presumably directed at a fan who was chanting boring. I don't think this would have been the arena. This would have had to have been... I'm guessing this, I'm guessing this was the Florida spate of shows because that's when, mm. when Dean won the TV title from Eddie and Eddie got back a week later in Middletown, New York. So... Because the arena fans loved Eddie and Dean, and if any yeah. and if any fans there were chanting negative stuff, it had to be a small smattering. Well, the wrestlers obviously were affected by it because, according to Dave, they start giving the giving the fans who are catcalling the match the middle finger. Guerrero wins after a superplex. He gets on the mic and says, "You pay for your tickets, and you have every right to cheer for who you want and what you want. But when you depreciate somebody's work, somebody's athletic ability, it only shows your education, brother." And that got the biggest pop of the show, apparently. He's absolutely right. Um, yeah, that had to be one of the Florida shows. That had to be. Because I, can, I cannot imagine, uh, unless it's just a couple of rogue fans at the arena, because they always cheered like, the Eddie, Dean, Benoit, Jericho, all that stuff. And they were all over that. It if you was... had an international following and you were a great technician, you know, they absolutely respected you. And contrary to the believe that arena fans were always assholes to everybody yeah i'm glad to hear that because i read that and i thought ah, that's weird because that kind of goes against what i've always believed which is the idea mm. that you know, the ecw fans were, were well up for the wrestling liquid wrestling as ross would say based on the weekend here this this had to be the weekend where dean won the belt probably on, on the saturday show or whatever so maybe it was like the friday show and maybe i don't know if that was fort lauderdale or what but mm. Uh, one more story to get to. Um, Titans lawyers send a mildly threatening legal letter to Bobby Rogers this week. Uh, Mike Raporno, his real name, asking to cease and desist using the WWF light heavyweight facsimile belt and threaten legal action if he didn't sign a statement say he'd never use the belt in public. This came on because Rogers used the belt on a Rolanda TV show that aired nationally this past week. Obviously, the lawyers didn't see the show. If all they knew was he used a belt and claimed he was a WWF belt, uh, Raporno wrote back to the Titan lawyers saying that he wasn't going to stop using the belt on television and wrestling appearances. Do what's the, what? Do you know anything about this? Because this this I I didn't know the full thing here, but I thought this seems mildly interesting. I'm not familiar with this story whatsoever. In fact, the light heavyweight belt at this point, 
would have either been in Mexico or Japan. Let me see who that would have been because well, there was an old lightweight belt that, that, that debuted in 81. But... Well, it's a facsimile belt, so it's not the real one. Basically, right. it sounds like a guy has been on a TV show carrying around a WWF title belt. Somebody's told WWF's legal team and they've gone, right, stop doing that, cease and desist. Very uh, randomly. The belt at this point was held by Aeroflash, who would hold it until March when he lost the, to a great Sasuke. So obviously it isn't that belt. So it's probably just some guy just trying to cash in on something. And I mean, it's not a major story. So either they or they scared him to stop using it. And that was that. And it didn't make that impact the story as far as I know. But you've opened an interesting uh, kind of worms there. So the WWF light heavyweight title belt was still in circulation at this point. Yeah, it debuted in 81. It was mostly defended on, on like West Coast events. It was like... The, like main canonical WWF never really used it. It was it was just something that would show up in New Japan once in a while, or would show up in Mexico for for a UWA promotion. Very rarely was it ever defended in New York, although it was once in a while. And then it kind of kind of just drifted away. Guys like like, like Chris Benoit was WWF heavyweight champion in like 1991. Like that's a statement of fact. Wow. When, when he was Pegasus Kid. Wow, that's pretty cool. And in fact, in kind of an interesting bit of foreshadowing, in a year and a half's time, that belt will show up in WCW as part of Ultimo Dragon's J-Crown 8 belts. Yes, I remember that now. Now you've said that. Mm. Yes. So a WF belt did appear in WCW programming for a time when Ultimo Dragon took around all those wonderful belts. Plus WCW's Cruiserweight belt, plus the NW Middleweight belt. He had 10 belts at once. That's a good luck, wasn't it, all them belts? That, that photo is legendary. It's great. Bro. That is that is frameable. Um, John, uh, could you do could you do the the light heavyweight title going in the bin? <laughs> Ultimo Dragon dropping it in the bin, please. <laughs> I was just well, nine more to go. <laughs> I need a new. We're going to need a bigger bin. <laughs> So that's all the wrestling news from this particular week in the year of our Lord 1995. Let's go to Justin Henry, who's going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw from the end of July. Well, in keeping with the angle, we're, well, not the angle, but the real-life occurrence of Jeff Jarrett and the roadie walking out the night before, we begin with the footage of the end of that match, where Sean beat Jarrett to win the Intercontinental title A in your house, too. Roadie tripped Jarrett by mistake. Jarrett's a bit miffed. Turns, walks right in the chin music. One, two, three, new champion. Basically, if Jarrett comes back, they'll pick up the angle where it left off. And if he doesn't, oh, well, happy burial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're covering their bases either way. But the, see, this is a historic show here for another reason. This was the debut of one of the best minimalist entrance sets of all time. The giant R-A-W in, in red brick... Uh, coloring. Was this really the first time we saw it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this would become. This is kind of like when you think old school Raw. This is kind of what they do with the with uh, the the R that Sabu would end up falling off. Yeah, comes laying around his head before Team Taz tried to save his life. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. So the wrestlers walk out from behind the A, either on the R side or the W side. <laughs> I like that. I like the big Raw logo as the entrance. It's cool. As you say, minimalist. 
it's minimalist, but it's 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 timeless also. Mm-hmm. So Sean leads us off. We begin immediately with Sexy Boy playing because at this point, I believe it's not long after this that Bret Hart is informed. You're getting the belt from Diesel in the fall, and we want you to lose it to Sean at WrestleMania. So at this point in time, they're ready to go all in on Michaels as the top guy. And you can tell, like you can tell that energy is behind mm-hmm. him. But also, he's the the biggest star in the company at the moment. Like he's just like, he's the man. He's got that energy, that charisma about him. He's got the mm-hmm. crowd behind him. He feels like, like the biggest deal the company's got. He was like the modern day flair in the sense that when he walked out, he just radiated energy. Mm. There, there was just something about him when you saw him, you knew you're watching a genuine star. And great yeah, as now, a heel doesn't... and great as an asshole. Like it's a it's a, it's a nice it's a nice thing to have a guy like that who is both as a babyface and a heel, like mm. perfect in that in those roles, whatever you need him to be. Absolutely. Of course, it doesn't help that Vince every Vince goes Mister Charisma. It's like. We have a TV. Yeah, we can see. You don't need to tell us that he's charismatic. <laughs> you tell us he's charismatic when he's not charismatic. You don't mm. need to tell us when he is because we can see. Don't be the waiter at the restaurant who tells me how great the steak is when I'm halfway through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already eating it. That's good enough. So, Shawn Michaels is facing Jimmy Del Rey of the Heavenly Bodies. Oh, who... talking a delicious steak. <laughs> Here's I can tell this is his last appearance in the company. Oh, <laughs> I think the heavenly bodies finish up after this. All the all, all the does come back as well. We'll cross that bridge eventually. Oh. Did you not think that um, Jimmy Del Rey looks like Shawn Michaels in a parallel dimension? <laughs> I think you should apologize to Shawn Michaels. I kind of want to do a little Loki spoiler here. Um, Loki spoiler. There's a little scene in Loki. I won't. I won't. A... I won't. Was it? You're gonna throw a roundhouse kick at his head and then him with a key crusher? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, the TVA came after Loki. Kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying Loki, by the way. It's very, very good. It's uh, it, it could be the best series they've done. I think. I'll take your word for it. I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of the Marvel. Um, television so i couldn't tell you either way ah, fair enough well it is very good i was gonna do a little a little joke there if you if i think do you know what if you know where i was reaching for the joke uh tweet me at tom campbell and we can have a little nod in a week together without ruining it for other people thank you very much and if you're like me just smile and nod and assume tom knows what he's talking about there you go <laughs> <laughs> so delray gets the in the, the in the ring treatment which is a sign of the times for him i wrote in my notes a worrying sign <laughs> <laughs> Non-title match. Delray does. Well, Sean, there's a spot where Sean gets Delray into an arm twist, and Delray does something like an old school where he goes up to the up the ropes to try and escape. Bounces off the ropes, flips back, so Sean just knocks him to the floor. <laughs> but all that for that. It, does Does Delray know he might be out the door at this point? So is he just showing off? Might be. <laughs> like, please reconsider. I can do all this nifty stuff. <laughs> He does get a nice float over DDT, which he did really well. Mm. And he does the Sean taunt, which is just repulsive. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, when he is when he is in full sleazeball mode, I love Jimmy Delray. 
when he's like grinding and it's just like oh god this is awful but i can't look away it's it's compelling i think when march had the upsetting vision of bart one day being a male stripper bang bang bart <laughs> john no for the love of god don't do that <laughs> twitter suffered enough bang bang del rey john 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 get a strike against his name again don't John, you are free to refuse some of these. No, you're not. Uh, Lawler, sh Lawler shows off his inner Roger Ebert by, by referencing Apollo 13 and Waterworld. Mmm, saying that Waterworld will be the end of Kevin Costner's career. I mean, he, wasn't, he was very close. <laughs> Hold my beer as he makes the postman. <laughs> but his career is not dead. He's just, he's not as prominent as he once was <laughs> perhaps not making six hours self-indulgent movies would be you know a step in the right direction just a thought. but what do i know just just a thought i'm not a, i'm not an actor director i've been down the the rabbit hole of um of steven seagal movies oh god um i've not watched many but like my brother and i have just been dumbfounded with the amount that he churns out and i've watched clips of some of them and oh my god like he's he's so bad but it's like he can't i, I said to i said to, to my brother I said, does steven seagal say no to eddieville because <laughs> he's made hundreds and they are all shite like obviously the earlier stuff is fine but like i'm talking like from 2000 to 2021 he's made about 100 films and they're all shit like comically yeah. shit but in everything he plays steven seagal <laughs> just this unstoppable sex machine monster who is the master of all martial arts it's like it's steven seagal <laughs> it's what vince would do if he made action movies starring himself <laughs> and, and wrote the script <laughs> you owe it to yourself one time to find that to find the episode of Saturday Night Live that he hosted, which could be the worst episode in the history of the show. Oh, that's a great shout. Because he approved of the sketches he was in and how he was used. Oh, okay. So there's two things for you to find after this. Two bits of homework for you. To, so I want you to find Vince McMahon in, in, uh, in Saturday Night Live. No, Steven Seagal. Oh, sorry, Steven Seagal in Saturday Night Live. I don't know why I said Vince. Steven Seagal in Saturday Night Live, right? Find that. It's amazing. And also, big shout to uh, Ralph the Movie Maker, who I discovered on YouTube, who was who about nine months ago did a video about Steven Seagal movies that had me rolling this morning. And big love to Ralph the Movie Maker for that, because it was just, oh gosh, mwah, chef's kiss. What, what a guy. Um, both Steven Seagal and Ralph the Movie Maker. <laughs> one is presumably more in touch with reality than the other. Yeah, you'd hope so. At least one of them. <laughs> so Delray misses the top rope splash. Sean fires up. Eh. He goes for a chin music. Delray moves, but, but Pritchard eats it instead. Then Sean gets Delray with one. That was a spirited five-minute match. No wasted motion. Lovely little so, pacey affair that was. Oh, it was. And then we get kind of a disturbing ending here where Sean's wriggling on the mat while holding the belt. Which Okay, Sean's an eccentric guy. Then he gets up and teases pulling his pants down. This is the play. <laughs> before teasing the, the primary waistband, and then, well, he, thankfully, he stopped before he got too far. 
This is the Playgirl era of Shawn Michaels that we're seeing live yes, and in is. living colour. Like, he knows it. If, if, there, if OnlyFans was a thing in 95, I think Shawn Michaels probably would have had one. If it's this company, it's hardly fans. <laughs> A uh, little bit, little bit from the observer <laughs> um, about this match. Uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, this, this, this is Dave's words. In uh, it, oh it, boy, Shawn Michaels also beats an overweight Jimmy Del Rey in another hot television match, ending when he super kicked both Del Rey and Tom Pritchard, giving the impression that they are, for all real purposes, through with Titan. Even though Del Rey looked way too heavy in the table muscles. Mate, he looked sharp. He looked fine. He showed as a performer, he's probably the most unheralded great worker at the WWF. The show ended with some major satellite transmission problems, but that's more for later in the show. Um, so ignore I said that last sentence. Um, but yeah, so he, a few digs on Del Rey's weight. I don't think Del Rey looked any different to how he has done for the last nine months in the company. I mean, he's always had that roly-polier physique. Yeah, just... it's part of his charm. That's the word. <laughs> speaking of charm uh we get some highlights of with my baby tonight which thankfully instead of playing the whole video again we don't have to do that anymore no <clears throat> where vince accuses jared of lip syncing and it says that roadie made the claim so they're trying to keep that angle going keep the ball rolling and uh, even though both of them are gone so, and, and then and then they showed jared because gotta hammer that point home and and here and here's Doc Hendricks yelling again about eventually I'll be able to chair left and that Rooney left and I saw something yak I saw something yak I saw something in the attic and then he just like Doc did not stop to breathe in that promo at all. I saw something in the attic. It was just one yelling sentence after another with no breath in between, no pause. I noticed that Vince, like I, I compared this to do you remember. Many years ago, when we began our journey uh, to to our horizon uh, in 1993, when Mr. Perfect left, and um, Vince really went to town on calling Mr. Perfect a coward and like scared of wrestling and all this, he really went to town on him. And I didn't, whilst they were hammering home that Jeff lost, I didn't feel like that. I didn't feel like Vince went in as heavy on Jeff as you maybe think he did. Like I feel like he wants to tell the story, and even then, Vince was a bit like, "Well, maybe we'll get the answer at some point. Who knows?" Like he's kept his options quite open. That Jeff yeah, might open ended. Yeah. Good. Because hey, who knows? Tuesday morning, Jared might Jared can come back and they can tape stuff to insert into the upcoming 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 episodes to you know keep the angle going. Mm. Who knows? And. It's kind of touch and go at this point. Yeah, but he doesn't go. He, they address it, and I'm, it's good they address it, but they don't go in as hard as they did on, on other people that have left. Yeah, this is probably the smarter play because at this point, you need every wrestler you can get that actually has worthwhile talent. Talent, yeah. yeah. So, later, so later on in the show, we get the reason why I'm, I'm a bit more chipper than usual here. Bret Hart versus Hakushi is our main event. Oh, yeah. We get a full highlight package of their, of their feud to this point. But in the meantime, how's about a couple squash matches? Yay! Give us some squashes. The Smoking Guns versus Stockhauser. That's a name. These guys are like traveling jobbers, like the traveling Wilburys, because they had a couple of matches on WCW Saturday night, did old Faulkner and Stockhauser. I wish it was Rick Stockhausen. It would have made me... No swearing. <laughs> John! 
<laughs> working you this week, mate. I'm so sorry. Uh, Rick Stockhausen, please. Very nice. Very evil. Hello, Billy Gunhausen. I'm Mr. S. No swearing. <laughs> <laughs> You're Mr. Butt. <laughs> So, there, there are some great jobber names that we we need more Faulkners and Stockhousers in the world. Faulkners, Stockhousers, Contaracuses, Contaracus, yes. Sadly, we never got John's mother, Mother Faulkner. <laughs> they could done like a a psycho gimmick, or like, or <laughs> mother, like, Mother Faulkner. Yes, um, stupid Faulkner. <laughs> D- Dungeon of Dumb Faulkner. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Faulkner hot. <laughs> Just if you've not seen it's not hot, you have to watch at least three or four hundred times, like I have throughout my life. Oh, it's a it's a dream. It's a, it's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> oh, here's your sign of the times. We get a promotion for the upcoming service. WWF on America Online. Let me tell you something. My inner child heard this. Mate, I've got something I want to share with you. Right. So I heard this and I was the same as you. And and so as as the guns are coming to the ring, they're talking about WWF's partnership with America Online. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything online about this. Mate, I found in the deep part of the internet, transcript from an AOL chat around this time, Vince, Vince McMahon taking oh, questions was... from the fans. We, on an upcoming show, we have to act that out because that was one of the most amazing things ever. Oh, Vince was a combination on there of prickly and sarcastic, and it's <laughs> well, it was like proto Mr. McMahon. Okay, well, you have a choice then because I've got the transcript in front of me. Do you want to do it okay. now, or would you like to do it on a later show? Wait till a, a crappier show, because we, yeah, we don't want to sully Brett versus Hakushi here. That's a good shout. That's a good shout. Okay, so there's a tease for you. We are going to do a transcript of Vince McMahon's AOL chat, and oh, oh. Let's do oh. it for Taker. Let's do it during Taker and Kama at SummerSlam. Perfect. Because it's like 16 minutes long. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. So right, the guns versus the uh <laughs> the, the, the Faulkner Stockhauser connection. Now, one thing I noticed about this show is that Vince makes a concerted effort to push everything for SummerSlam all at once. Yeah. Because the, the smoking guns end up wrestling Eli and Jacob Blue at SummerSlam. There's no story reason for it. It's just an, an undercard match between two tag teams, just something to throw in there. And uh, so to, to try and create a connection, Vince goes, Faulkner and Stockhauser are a lot like the Blue Twins. They kind of <laughs> look alike, but not really. So like, In the sense that, you know, part. they're two people. It's like, so, so the guns have a twin beating fetish. <laughs> Next week, they take on Nikki and Brie Bella. <laughs> and the killer bees. <laughs> and, and the Dudley boys. <laughs> and those conjoined twins on the Simpsons that the uh, monorail anchor split apart. <laughs> the French are called twin tragic. <laughs> and me and my and me and my cousin, who my geography teacher thought were twins, 
when I was in high school. So imagine my geography teacher's face when she asked my mum, uh, oh, out of Tom and Jay, who is oldest, my mum went, oh, Tom is by three weeks. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> and her face. And then mum went, they're cousins. They're not twins. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently Jay was a squatter. <laughs> Jay, Jay put a barricade up, apparently. Damn freeloader. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Let's smoke them out. <laughs> oh, God. Jo- no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the name of all that is only no john just 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 so, just just photoshop the undertaker and tw- tag him in it <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a match guns get a lot of offense in. it's the end of the sidewinder that looks like the most painful version of the midnight hour ever it looked rough didn't it in the landing especially yeah. looked rough although billy got about 85 feet of height on the jump and a nice primal scream he gets a lot of he gets a lot of height, doesn't he? I, I'm, a lot of ups. He's a, <laughs> it's a, you would say it's a golden up uh, that he gets on that on that jump. He really does. I want to see Billy Gunn and Ricochet in a dunk contest. Let's see who would win. Oh, I wonder whether the the general height of Billy Gunn would um, supersede the uh, the the reach of Ricochet. Well, Billy Gunn. He- he can jump pretty high, and I'll bet with his power, he can do a nice tomahawk slam, just a rear back and just like <laughs> Sean Kemp back in the day. He's got the height. I reckon that Billy Gunn would do a brilliant top rope nothing. Mm. <laughs> I did have a nice laugh here at the end of the match, because earlier on, Lawler mentioned Apollo 13 and Waterworld, which are two movies from 1995. Then Vince goes, smoking for the smoking guns, like the mask oh. from the year before. It's a little behind time. I miss that, but I'm glad that you wrote that down because that's fun. I want to see the mask with Vince McMahon now. Is that the, is that the is that Vince being like that's the most current I think I've ever known Vince McMahon be? Probably. You know, it's still like you say, not not uh, not dead on the times, but you know, close enough within within a decade. It was it was a catchphrase for the time, definitely. That was a tremendous movie. A very 90s catchphrase. I think as long as Jim Carrey was around doing stuff, sort of smoking f- became a catchphrase. Of My his. favorite Jim Carrey movie. Go on. That one. Oh, I thought you were going to say there was one. No, I'm done. No, I was saying that, that one is my favorite one. Yeah, that's a good shout. I, I'm i going to go Man on the Moon. Good shout My too. favorite Jim Carrey one. Uh, this Sunday, Wrestling Curiosities, uh, the bizarre wrestling career of Andy Kaufman. Um, and uh, I'm excited to share that story afresh. Classic. It is a classic. And it, and it encouraged me to watch Man on the Moon again um, in preparation for it. And he's so good in that. But then I watched Andy and Me. And you just see what a state Jim Carrey was doing that film. And you... You both feel really sad, but at the same time, like really appreciate the performance even more because he was so deep into the role. And uh, I don't quite—I'm not sure where. Like, obviously, like Jim Carrey is, is is a legend, and like you see stuff like Andy and me, and you think, is he all right? Like, this is—I I get that you know you you throw yourself into the performance and stuff, but it seems like he's not in control. So it takes a lot of energy to do. To be that immersed into a part and to put all your energy toward that. Yeah. 
uh, on the subject of Andy, have you ever seen the uncensored footage of him yelling at Lawler on, Le- on on David Letterman's show? Yes, it's it's just it's incredible, and I love that <laughs> wrestling was at that point where people couldn't quite see where that couldn't quite tell. Like there was enough wrestling, but then that was Kaufman through and through. Like Kaufman did skits on Saturday Night Live where people went, "Has he just gone off the rails here? Like has he just binned off the script?" And and I love that the neck brace everywhere too. He, he, he did. He, he kept he, it up. He he was the most wrestling non wrestler because he completely like was completely kayfabe the whole time with and it, and not just in wrestling but in entertainment. Like he played these characters so beautifully. And and to the point where like people like he he went for that uncomfortable laugh. He's very akin to a Bo Burnham, I think. Like Bo mm-hmm. Burnham will go for that uncomfortable laugh, and uh, and to the point where it's not even a laugh; it's just uncomfortable. But I I I kind of have a weird respect for that, like the idea of like you are like you're pulling emotion out of people, and mm-hmm. and and un- awkwardness is an emotion that you're pulling out of somebody, like you're bringing somebody into the room with you in that way. And I'm just, yeah. It's a, it's a real, I don't need your applause. Yeah. I don't it's, need It's the your... opposite of pandering. He's pandering to himself and that's it. Yeah. He doesn't need mm. anyone to like him. He doesn't care. He's just doing his thing. If you're with him, whatever. It doesn't, just really doesn't matter. If anything, he hopes you're not. Well, here's the opposite of Andy Kaufman. As you go to dud plugging a shirt. <laughs> we got the dud. <laughs> he's, he's, plugging, he's plugging the worst looking Ain't I Great shirt ever. It's like a mall kiosk special. Oh, it is just and, pathetic, isn't it? It's a pathetic it's, shirt. <laughs> like the Hermer was a dope shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they sold out an hour ago. It says Ain't I Great on the front and it says Not on the back. Oh, take that, Jarrett. But he must have had those in he must have had those in storage away for this angle and just we gotta just gotta sell them. Here's the thing though, right? If if you're wearing a jacket, no one's gonna get like the punchline. <laughs> if it's a yeah. hot, if it's a cold day and you're wearing a coat, they're just gonna see you wearing a t-shirt that says Ain't I Great. <laughs> I want to know who bought that shirt unironically. I'm I'm desperate to know. Not as a gag gift. Somebody <laughs> had to, somebody saw that shirt on Barry Dadinsky and went. Get me the phone. I need to make a call. That is kitsch of the highest order. <laughs> Son of a kitsch. <laughs> and they also plug, and boys is a 90 sentence, the cassette of Ain't I Great. Oh, I love it's like, this. It's like, you know, compact discs are a thing, right? <laughs> Cassettes, were... baby. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with the eight track. <laughs> well, well the, yeah, by 1995, compact discs were like, they were the, the preference, weren't they? By 90, by 95. Oh, yeah. So, but the cassettes were still very much in the, in the loop at this point. Like, I think I would have probably bought, like, I would have been buying cassettes and CDs at the same time. Yeah. But compact discs, they were so contemporary, but yet so cheap. I mean, you can get 12 of them for a penny as long as you don't open any more mail from that company after that. <laughs> I wonder whether, whether cassettes were just cheaper to make. They must have just been cheaper to make. Like they, they've, got, they've got all those old WWF, the music cassettes, and they just they stick, a little, they stick a little bit of paper in the top left corner and sellotape it over, and they just hit record and play. <laughs> and just, there we go. We've got a whole new cassette. Yeah, what happened? That is how. I, look, I'm a kid of this of this decade. That is how I did radio shows. 
like i had a karaoke machine and uh, it was how i did it and and just every time i see a cassette it gives me a nice warm fuzzy feeling it reminds me yeah dude in the years before cd burners when i got wf on aol and they uploaded everyone's theme song to like the um it's like the file section and you could just down download download them on your hard drive cassette tapes full of entrance themes oh that was my jam Posh Bertie right now, I'm hoping, is enjoying his cassette tape slam jam. He won <laughs> just a while ago. And hope... say, what did he lose? <laughs> <laughs> what did it cost? Everything. <laughs> well, we go from retro to contemporary as we get a little teaser vignette hyping up the debut with a Howard Finkel intro from Hollywood, California, weighing 260 pounds, gold dust. Gold dust is coming. And all we got was like the words gold dust written in, quite literally, gold dust. It's like Gabo. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's Gabo. Looks uh, gold dust is coming. <laughs> now, our boy Dave uh, at this point reckons that gold dust is going to be a cowboy from Hollywood. Well, because they knew who was going to be gold dust in Rhodes. So they so did so Dave seems to think they will still lean into the cowboy gimmick. Well, I but mean, with a Hollywood he, twang. He can't be so far removed from Dustin Rhodes that. Yeah, you're or right. Or could he? You're right. There's no way they would they would take him too far away from from what made mean, him the natural. Should make my lumberjack call him Sawdust. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> he did the lumberjack song on roll that time. Oh my God, Sawdust. John, <laughs> I'm a lumberjack. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I cut, I cut down trees. I wear high heels, suspenders, and a bra. It is him. <laughs> it was... <laughs> I wish I'd been a girly, just like my dear papa. Just oh going that segment where he sang it, and and then they panned the Booker holding the axe with the the fake beard. It's one of the greatest things I ever saw in my entire life. <laughs> Booker's like, I'm I'm going to kill somebody. <laughs> Which tremendous. You I have to wear it. What? <laughs> those two, two were gold together, pun intended. Book dust, man. Those those were days. Mm. We didn't know how so good then, we had it, did we? We didn't know how no, good we, we had it. No, we really didn't. Those two were just never just made for each other. Amazing. Amazing. And then Vince plugs Skittles, but can't do it as good as JR, obviously. Skittles that are yummy in your tummy. Not not the same. We need JR. We need JR yelling. Oh my god, Birdie, they're so fruity! Bug out, Bertie! Bertie! Skittles! <laughs> you were good. I I appreciated JR as you beautifully did it there, selling Skittles like they were Austin running down the ramp to beat up Vince McMahon. <laughs> With the same energy. Well, apparently they were his favorite candy, so he, he gave it the over top plug, which is why he did that. Skit oh, were they really his favorite? Is that why he loved them? I believe that's oh. that was the story behind it. So that's why I turned over running gag. Skittles three sixteen. How far can JR go with it? Amazing! I didn't know that. I just thought he was just doing it just to, just I think or I thought he was just I think he was just sort of doing it for the comedy value of just going over the top with it. It was both. Bit of column A, bit of column B. We we get Fatu touring San Francisco. I think I saw Samu at one point in the vignette early on, just hanging out with the crew. Mm-hmm. I did too. And then Fatu shows off the Cal Palace. 
the famed Cal Palace for Eddie Guerrero would actually win the, the WWE Championship in about seven and a half years. Yeah, going there because um, although like he's there, Fatu's there talking about how old I used to live in the shadow of the Cal Palace. Used to go to events there. I'm getting tingly thinking about being back here. Um, they'd host events uh, over the years there, but from 1995 they weren't. They didn't go to the Cal Palace 95. Or 96, or 97, or 98, or 99, or 2000, or 2001, or 2002, or 2003, or 2004. 2005 would be the next time they go to the Cal Palace. four, they were there because because that's when Eddie won the belt was 2004. 04 at the Cal Palace. My apologies. It was 04 at the Cal Palace, but still a long, bloody time. And even then, I'm I'm pretty sure he's wrestled there already, Fatsu. He makes it sound like he's never wrestled. Like, this is my dream to wrestle here. You did it. You and Sam. You would never beat the Beverly Bros in the second match of the show, remember? <laughs> Shh, that didn't happen. This is, yeah, he's just going, oh man, I'm just trying to make a difference. I'm just getting into the wrestling world. Mate, you were in a War Games match. <laughs> You've been in War Games at this point. What are you playing at? You ran over Stunning Steve on behalf of Jean Paul Lebeck. Wait, that didn't happen yet. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like a weird sentence then. <laughs> oh no, the, t- the, TV- the TVA are back. The TVA are coming to fix an error in the timeline. <laughs> the man who's paying you. You're going to sit on his face one day. <laughs> Is that going to make a difference? Uh, in a way. <laughs> to your, network to your bank balance, it's going to make a difference. <laughs> I mean, UPN is kind of network TV. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. It's. I like the idea of, like, Rikishi go, like, of Salofa Far 2 going, I don't know, I've tried the Headhunter sort of savage gimmick and it hasn't really clicked. I've tried being sort of contemporary and it's just not clicked i've tried like hey maybe it's not even being samoan maybe something completely different i've tried the salt it's not click i don't know what i need to do and then somebody from the future just says just get your ass out <laughs> what <laughs> just get your ass out mate <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. <laughs> i heard a voice in the bathroom stall next to me <laughs> for some drunk puking his guts out and, like it made perfect sense <laughs> Get your ass out, man! <laughs> a voice from above, because I was sitting down and he was standing up. <laughs> oh. I mean, like that. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's still in, 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 in a, a stall. You could be oneing, you could be twoing. That's that's true. Or twoing <laughs> while oneing. That's true. Let's move on. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Waylon Mercy versus Gary Scott. Yeah, I love Waylon Mercy's music. Every time I hear it, I love it a bit more. Just that, so just that frantic piano. It's dun, just dun, gorgeous. Dun, 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 dun. It's on Spotify. <laughs> is it? Oh, it is, isn't it? Mm. I just like I like the use of piano in a wrestling entrance theme. Oh, it fits him. Yeah. Someone, someone wrote in the wrestle crap years ago asking. Saying he for years he thought the phrase "lives going to be in Wayla Mercy's hands," he was actually saying "life's a bowl of beans in Wayla Mercy's hands." Life's a bowl of beans in Wayla Mercy's so, hands. So, watch too much Forrest Gump. <laughs> Dance by on a park bench. Life's a lot like a bowl of beans. <laughs> it's messy and it's in a bowl. And it's in my hands. <laughs> You're scaring me, sir. <laughs> I used to be Dan Spivey. <laughs> We've arrested the I-75 big bean killer today. <laughs> Terrorized three states. Are you a psychic friend? No, not that Dan Spivey. <laughs> it's Gary Spivey you're thinking of. Oh god, he's coming soon. Oh it's just like gold dust. Bring him on. Bring him on. Bring him on. So Well and Mercy's cool though. I just uh Oh he is. He's handshakes I... Gary Scott and then these him right in the balls. <laughs> Fertilizes him, strangles him. This guy's clearly a serial killer. So then he knocks him to the floor. Scott goes to crawl back in. Mercy's holding the bottom rope to let him back in. And he just snaps it across his lower back. Lowering the boom. As Vince said, tremendous. I've never seen that before or since. And I really like it as a bit. There's one that we're not going to see because it's on Superstars. But he did the spot where he had someone on the apron, like the um, Seamus 10 beats of the Baldrin or whatever that is. Yeah. Where he pulls him back into ropes and starts chopping and starts like wailing on with the overhead strikes. So he has the rope pulled back for it. can count one, two, like let him go three. He lets go of the rope. The guy springs forth and falls, hits the guardrail, and gets counted out for the loss. Oh, man. Almost was just casually let go of the rope and all of a sudden the guy just springs to his death. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> He's great. There is just such a, a, a unique energy about Waylon Mercy. That He's I maniacal. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's just because it, I, I like it and I'm almost nervous. Obviously, we know that, you know, we, we, we know the, the roof that this, this thing has in this company. Um, but it's just the fact that it is so different that you can almost imagine mm. Vince being a little bit wary of it because it's so different to the stories that he's always told and feels like works. I would be anxious. I wonder whether Vince was anxious that, oh, this is going to be too offbeat for people to really get when really it's just perfect <laughs> and of the time. I wish someone else had a gimmick like this. I mean, of just trying to be a nice guy, but 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 but, but the sinister overtones are just so obvious. Like someone like Brody Lee could have pulled this off. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Right size for it too. Just the scary eyes. Like disheveled looking sort of mm. yeah you need yeah, like, like, like a mountain man type thing mm-hmm. like i'm a nice guy i'm a peaceable man and he's, he's conspiring in his brain to tear your tear your heart out 
I feel like um, I feel like Killian Dane could have been that because Big Damo uh, was sort of medium Damo by the time he was let go because he trimmed down mm. a lot and he was a lot uh, slimmer and a lot quicker but still had that sort of aggressiveness about him and I feel like he could have maybe pulled off a, a Waylon Mercy-esque character. Well, so many guys that if you just, you just give them the chance to be something like that but we'll never know. A lot of them played one-note characters for the most part. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we never saw that sort of creative brilliance Mercy finishes here with the with the choke sleeper, eyes bugging out of his head. He looks like uh like cheap sheep from Super Mario, <laughs> just uh, eyes permanently wide open. That's a good shout. We get the end of the in your house report from Todd, who definitely turns into a SummerSlam plug. Mm, just slides right in there. Unfortunately, they got rid of the classic SummerSlam theme, which made me very unhappy. Oh, I know they've they've gone for something a bit just generic, haven't they? Yeah, it's like a stock theme. You see Owen and Yoko retain against the allied powers in your house. Hey, here's Sean beating Jared again. Why not? <laughs> Sit. And, 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 and we get Diesel beating uh, Sid in the main event, which Sean played a big part by diving on the Sid. Todd Pentengill says, Sean Michaels, the pit bull of the World Wrestling Federation, he doesn't run from anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to be contradicted. Well, are we sure about that, lad? <laughs> and then we get the footage of Mabel beating up Diesel during the main event. And we get a decent-looking Mabel promo where he causes King of the Ring win grueling. Hmm. For whom, the audience? Yeah, I think, I think Mabel yeah. didn't really work that hard in the tournament. <laughs> Did he get a bye? Yes. <laughs> He is a heel, Grueling Christ. Yeah, he is a heel, so he he's allowed to embellish. And we're supposed to be like, no, you didn't. That's kind of the point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But then then if if Todd's saying it's grueling. Well, he had to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) How do we feel about King Mabel's first promo heading into SummerSlam? Wasn't bad. Wasn't bad talking about how how Diesel isn't worthy of being in the Federation. Challenging him to put his belt in the lines, like you know, if you're man enough, just a good monster promo. Mm, I like, I like it. I like, the, I like how the, the twist is that hey, look, I'm the king, which is a the the, the top title in the company, uh, but you're not man enough to face me. Um, and I like, yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, I'm not uh, afeard for what's to come. <laughs> oh, just you wait. I know. I know. <laughs> We can't do the script reading during that match because I'll be too busy laughing at certain parts. Oh, yeah. We'll do it during um, Karma Undertaker, during some of the slower points of Karma okay. Undertaker. Okay. Next week on the, on, on Raw, we have Owen Hart and Yokozuna versus Razor and Vega for the belts. Didn't Razor stop you to lose it in your house? Why are they getting a shot? Is it because... Uh, now, in the storyline realm, is it because the the finish was disputed? What finish? Okay, oh, Razor and Savio just... Well, even then, so oh, why no, are they well, actually, it wasn't, was it? Because they lost clean as a whistle. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't even contested. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't contested. Yeah, screw oh, up. One's a face, one's a heel. Keep it simple for the fans. <laughs> Vince, let us tell a story, man. <laughs> well, I'll tell you let, a story. Let, let, let results mean something. This isn't AW. What are you talking about? I know. 
Big shout out to that guy, by the way, that did the big hangman page thread on Twitter, mm-hmm. which, you, which you linked us to. Um, I mean, it's more patience than I have. Gosh, but I love that. And if, if all of that is deliberate storytelling, then then yeah, I am an AEW guy. <laughs> if that is deliberate storytelling, that's kind of Brilliant. as a fan what I want. So, <laughs> I've seen some of the underlying subtlety, but I haven't seen all of it. So that thread was a great read. Mm, so good. It's on my Twitter at Tom Campbell. You can see it there. We come to our main event and the reason why we're here Bret Hart versus Hakushi. Hakushi still has the severed head, mm. which that's quite a sense. We get some timely references to baseball pitcher Hideo Nomo, who is kicking ass for the LA Dodgers at this point, and I believe was rookie of the year in 95. Okay, that's good. I was going to ask you about him, but then that's now we know. Had this really unusual pitching delivery where he'd put both arms well over his head before swinging back to throw the ball. Ooh. He was he was good for a few years there, but then he kind of petered out I think, due to injuries. But he was he was a damn good player in his prime. So Shinji gets involved with some pre-match attacks. Hakushi gets the upper hand early. At one point, Hakushi sends Brett into the rail, and Vince notes that Hakushi will be fine for using the railing. Yeah, that wasn't a thing that happened, was it? Well, I think I can explain. Okay. This is my theory. At the time, Vince had hired someone, a man named Drew Ortman, to basically oversee them. Basically be a company representative as they tried to avoid getting relegated to lower time slots via, for reasons pertaining to violence, they were trying to pare down the violence in the company because they were afraid because of some measures that were going on in Congress at the time. They were trying to relegate um, um, like kids programming or adult-oriented programming, whatever, to God, I'm bungling this. Let me try to figure out the best way to phrase this. No, I get it. So, so they are trying to stay whiter than white, cleaner than clean. Um, yes. And, 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 and because because this actually put this comes this will come back to us when we talk SummerSlam because there is this big anti weapons policy in WWF yes. at the moment anti foreign object policy. You're right. To, I'm to glad the, you brought that up to the point where like Sean and Razor Ramon will have to deal with something quite unique for that, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about in time to come. So I guess the idea that Vince was saving face. yeah Vince was saving face because because they've done something that they've gone kind of gone against so therefore by saying on on the uh on on the commentary table that hey that's going to be a fine like for those lesser educated may just go may that may be enough oh, for he, them he shouldn't have done that but we'll we'll take care of that we'll admonish him later you know it's like it's a standard part of the wrestling show. that's why Lawler had to apologize for Hitting Duke Tracy with a trash can the previous year. Yeah, that was weird. So this is where we're at, 1995. Thank God for ECW. <laughs> and um, so it becomes a bigger problem when Brett blades at the fifth in your house. Oh, he just got a little cut when he hit the when he hit the uh, uh, ring steps, and then he put his hand up and had it there for a long time while while his face was to the ground. And uh, yeah, yeah. Brett Hart's bleeding. That's a fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a paddling. <laughs> That's a paddling. <laughs> so Hakushi goes for the pump splash. Brett gets the knees up. Brett takes over for a while. Then we get a really awesome spot where on an Irish whip reversal, Brett slides and hits the bottom of the ring post back first. Like, like he just slides into this horizontally, almost gets bent in half. Then, then Hakushi follows with a uh, baseball slide to the ribs, which look great. All, all sorts of stuff going on here. After the break, we get, we get the proto Bronco Buster from Hakushi. 
And uh, Hakushi just dominated at this point. Surrendered. Perish that thought. And before next break, Brick gets sent to the outside. We come back from break, and then we get the creme de la creme of maneuvers here. As, as soon as we come back, yeah. Hakushi, for the first time ever on American wrestling, American wrestling television, the space flying tire drop. Wow. A cartwheel, backflip, and then a full backflip over the top rope cleanly right onto Brett in one fluid motion. Wow. That was that was the PS de resistance right God, there. God, he's so good. Hakushi's so good. It's tremendous. It's so good. These two are great. They're just gelling. Oh, it's like a it's like a it's like I'm watching a good wrestling show. And like normally when I when I'm prepping for the classic raw review, I'll have the the, the the show in question on and I'll have the observer next to me. So I'll kind of be looking back and forth between the two. If I spot something that's of interest on there, I'll stop and I'll write it down. I'll make a note. Brett Harkushi, about three minutes in, I just stopped my writing and I just watched it. And it's nice as a wrestling fan when you get to do that. Just sit it and is, watch it. Just watch two pros doing what they do best with their unique styles, the ways in which they're different from one another. And they just, they had time to work and they excelled. Of course, one of the most beautiful moves ever done in the history of Monday Night Raw. Brett does fight back, knock and knock her on the heels. Then he goes up to the ropes while they're on the floor and gets like a pump splash from the middle rope, almost like a quebrada, but no flip. Like this match is just nuts. It's ridiculous. They're just going for it. Slugs Shinja, maintains control. But back in the ring, Hakushi regains control for a bit, but he misses the diving headbutt. Comes back, superplex, finishes with a sharpshooter. Then after the match, gives Shinja a pile driver. Yep, Observer says here, it appears this was Hakushi's last match with WWF. Word that we got was he wanted to leave. And it's certainly... You mean Shinja. You mean Shinja. Oh, yeah, sorry. And it certainly appeared this is the last of Shinja, Akiya Saito. It was Hakushi's best performance in the WWF in a match every bit of a four-star match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hakushi will hang around for a while longer. Ah, Shinji, however, Observer says they think it was Hakushi's last match. Maybe that was just misinformation or just a poor assumption. Plans change. <laughs> Hakushi will hang around until like February, I think. Right, okay. But it's it's um, it's the end of Shinja. It's the end of Shinja. End of Shinja. Yeah, he was in the office at this point. He finished up with the company the following year, and I think he just retired from the business after that. I liked Shinja. He was uh, he was a, he was good in this role. I think he was an overbearing, and I think he he jumped in when needed to. Wasn't too in your face. I thought it was a good fit for Hakushi to have him there. Yeah. Nice compliment piece. Hmm. And uh, undefeated at WrestleMania. Oh, of course. When him and Pat Tanaka beat the Rockers by countout at WrestleMania six. There you go. When when Sean patted Marty on the back and then Marty fell over the rail. <laughs> Probably the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, that's great. And uh, in the midst of Brett's celebration, Jean Pierre Lafitte comes out and steals the head bag. Uh, Sorry, Brett, you're still in the mid card. <laughs> Sorry, but your your main event Sorry, is Brett. in another castle. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> your push is in another castle. Your push is in another castle. <laughs> you're in the head. At this point, he he had to fight. Raiden for Mortal Kombat, a pirate and a dentist, and he's still one of the best parts of the show. <laughs> we haven't even got that to the why... we haven't got to the dentist yet, have we? 
No. Oh, God. This is why Bret Hart will never get anything less than my fullest respect. Because he went deep into that mid card, didn't he? And he was he was pulling people up like he was like he was pulling people out of the water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brett is just a master. He worked so hard to bring these people up to to a level, and like there's people like Hakushi that should have been at that level anyway, and should have stayed oh, yeah. at that level. Like I wonder whether I, I reckon Hakushi and Diesel could have had some fun. No. 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 Oh. Brett got the best out of Hakushi, got the best out of Diesel. Who gets the best out of each other if it's those two? That's a style clash. Mm, Brett's more compatible with people. That's true. You need someone with that mechanic mindset in there. Yeah, that's true. Still. Liked him in the main event. I'd liked him more in the main event. But four stars. Four stars on a raw on a night of raw. That's good. I agree. So So we need something. Because this is the classic Raw review. This is like, and it's during the darkest time in wrestling. Like that Bret Hart Hakushi match, as you can tell by that sweet exhalation, that was a a a, fa- a water fountain in the middle of a desert. <laughs> because now for... we are now back into the desert, aren't we? Yes. And now for the anti-freeze chaser. <laughs> oh, here we go. <sighs> Here we go. Tom, Tom, this sucks. Oh, I, I am intrigued, and I said before we started recording, I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on this, as a Philadelphia man, as an ECW super fan. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on the following segment. I got to the bottom of the soup bowl when there was a severed thumb. <laughs> I'm so good up to that point. So now. The franchise Shane Douglas was the cornerstone of early ECW. Cut my fucking music. Mm, wasn't quite there yet, but he was. But the spirit was definitely there. Mm-hmm. He was there, and this is an ironic thing to say, given that the hatred level. He was there, Ric Flair. Yeah. Just the arrogant, salt of the earth champion that, that turned away every challenge through his ring generalship and 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 his you know veteran wiles. He was the anchor, so to speak. He was he he, he was just the I don't know how best describe me, but he was just of that ilk, just the high society bad guy with all sorts of athletic accolades. Could cut a great promo, good technician, fairly good ring general. So they bring him to the WWF in '95. Can definitely help this company if you let him be Shane Douglas. Well, they. They let him be half of that. He was still Douglas. But now he was Dean Douglas. Evil school teacher. Your attention, class. Your attention. Thank you. Definition. Knowledge. The sum of what is known, the body of truth, information, and principles acquired by mankind. The fact or condition of knowing something with familiarity gained through experience or association. The acquaintance with or the understanding of a science, art, 
or technique. Knowledge. Dean Douglas. Dean Douglas, the personification of knowledge. Those in the World Wrestling Federation fraternity are certainly going to know what it's like to be graded. Much like you each knows that feeling down deep in the pit of your stomach after you spent the evening plagiarizing a term paper. After you've sat in class and taken that test, after looking at your neighbor's paper. Indeed, those superstars of the World Wrestling Federation will be graded by the person, the only person that has the knowledge to do it accurately. There will be some superstars here in the World Wrestling Federation who will get the same feeling in the pit of their stomach when they receive the grade that they know is coming. They may hope for an A. In all likelihood, they'll receive an F. Until next week, class dismissed. Imagine that if you want Dean Douglas, and I'd like to see him critique one of your matches, King. I wonder what kind of grade you'd get. I wonder what kind of grade Shawn Michaels would get because we're going to talk to Shawn Michaels, ladies and gentlemen, live when we return before Monday Night Raw. The franchise here was, in fact, a former teacher, taught economics in U.S. history, very intelligent man, very eloquent voice, and his debut vignette here. All he wanted to do was talk in his own voice. That first off, Alfie from a Christmas story. <laughs> he went from looking like like a 1950s matinee idol to this. <laughs> he, he just looks like a dork. Franchise. This is the man who was wrestling Actus Jack in 1995, and and holding and Tully Blanchard in one of the most. Harvey misguided matches of all time went 40 something minutes, and I don't know why. No offense to Tully, but it. <laughs> so, the first five words of my notes here are Dean Douglas' vignette. Oh no. Because we know what this is. And so, this is, is what happens. He walks in, there's an unseen class there, just idle chatter of the students. And they won't listen. And he does the fingernails across the board routine, complete with sound effect. Today, we're going to learn about knowledge. What is knowledge? And, he, and then he gives five fucking definitions for the word knowledge. Five. Like, one would have sufficed, but now we're just padding. And Shane, when Shane would have that devilish rasp, cut my fucking music. <laughs> Here, very stuffy, using his upper register, and very monotoned. And in fact, in between his words, he had like, he had like this weird little sort of purse smirk he would do. Like he was so proud, like his words like 
I like like you can't see out there listening, but I'm showing Tom. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, like 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 he raised his bottom lip a little bit and, and like and like pride or whatever. This is sort of stuffy pride he would have in himself. He's talking about how basically I'll be grading the wrestlers of the World Wrestling Federation, and I can assure you that they will not make the grade. They are not up to the, up to par here, and this is just going like, oh my god, this is even worse than ever. <laughs> like an evil school teacher could work if you let Shane cut promise his way, but apparently Vince was insistent. Of course, according to Douglas, on speaking in this clipped manner, this monotone fashion. If he, if he did it as, like, the franchise voice, it might have been fine. But, no. Selling this. Um, so Shane Douglas was really reluctant to sign with WWF. And mm-hmm. he eventually realized, look, I'm just going to put me, me, me concerns about this to one side. Uh, and we'll see how we go. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Um, and he signs. And he says, this begins the worst six months of my career. Uh Within two weeks, he was there two weeks, and he was called into a board meeting. And he talks about this on Hannibal TV. He did a shoot interview on Hannibal TV. He was called into a board meeting with writers, and he was told to take his shirt off and spin around so they could see him. <laughs> I don't know. And while he did that, they went through his resume. And on his resume, he lists that he's like a qualified teacher, and he's... Uh, and he's he's got a whole bunch of qualifications in a bunch of other things. And the writers just got really excited about making a wrestling teacher. And they got so bogged down in the detail. Like and it was it must have been infuriating to be there because they're like, okay, we're gonna make him a teacher. No, no, no. He's gotta be bigger than a teacher. He's gotta be a, a professor. No, no, he's gotta be bigger. He's gonna be a dean. Yes, because Dean Douglas, it's it's alliteration. We like alliteration. He's got a PhD. No, no, he's got eight PhDs. And they just suddenly that was it. And he just would had to stand there and go, Yeah, okay. <laughs> they just got so like they had the they had this one bite of this one idea. And it was obviously something they'd wanted to do forever, like to make a wrestling teacher. And and that was it from there. And he went, okay, you're now Dean Douglas. Uh, you're going to be a wrestling teacher and you're going to talk about grading the wrestlers as he does there. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the story. <laughs> it's just... And he just said it was the worst six months of my career. And I agree with him. Why was the spin around important? Like, like, like he has the shorter blades of a teacher. Yeah, I didn't get that. But he was he was very keen to talk about it on Hannibal, where he talked about how um, they made they wanted him to wanted to look at it from all angles for whatever reason, and like and and you notice that um, he didn't talk with the inflection again. He was told he wasn't allowed to use the inflection. Um, because he was told as the smartest man, he has to talk in a certain tone and not give that angry energy. It's got to be that arrogance. And Vince thought that um, that the, the that gruff tone, that type tone, just didn't work for a teacher. So he had to step away from all of that. He hated the powder blue singlet that he would wear come his debut, which we'll talk about down the road. Um, but he's uh, he's he's very angry about the whole thing, um, but that's it. So yeah, so not a good time. 
not a good time for Dean Douglas, and we're going to watch it all transpire <laughs> over the next few weeks and months. Spoiler alert, in January 96, it's back in ECW. <laughs> so we come back from that bit of awfulness. It's a nice Stridex product placement on the commentary desk. Like I, I, I how there's just three containers of Stridex sitting right there, like 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 they're energy drinks. Like you can get by having an energy drink on the commentary table. It's like, oh, maybe they're drinking it during this show. Why are Stridex there? God, I'm feeling oily. <laughs> like <laughs> calling calling Whale of Mercy matches. <laughs> the stri- yeah, they're they're big on the Stridex for SummerSlam. <laughs> um, product placement, they're a sponsor. <laughs> kind of fits a target demo. Oh god, yeah. See, didn't they say in an advert? It might have been. Um, it might have been in the hype for for the show from Todd Pettinger, where he says, "You know, like Stridex, bigger is better." Like what? Bigger, a bigger Stridex pad, a bigger spot coverage. Why? Why would bigger is better be be a, an appropriate line for a? I think the pad. I think the uh, pads covered more ground at that point. They, they made right. them wider or whatever. Okay, that's fine. I'd rather be happy than right. That makes sense. <laughs> it's uh, and plus, you know, Diesel Mabel to made a vet. Bigger is better. Bigger is better. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you tell yourself that, Vince. <laughs> Speaking of Mabel, next week he'll be in action as well. The body done is Bam Bam Bigelow. As I write, wow, we just seen the entire triple threat of Douglas Bigelow and Candido. <laughs> and they're all not doing it. They're all not doing the triple threat thing. Uh, we get some interview time from Sean. Happy to win the belt. Lawler calls him a marked man. Sean says, you want a piece of me? You can have it. And that will lead somewhere. Mm, what, a, short, a bit of Sean and Jerry? Indeed. Mm, intriguing. I like how these live shows end because you can always—they're always rushing to get to the end. Like they're always, mm-hmm. like it's the timing's always a bit off, and and they'll never quite get that right for many years. Um, so I do like a live one for that, for that very reason. At least you feel the energy, though. It's better than yeah. just a, a sterile tape show. Yeah, the energy is very much there for this show. I think it's the fact that we've got that beauty of a four-star match in there, a nice Sean Jimmy Del Rey match, and it's the energy of a live show. This is what makes this Raw feel very special. It was a good show, and we might as well enjoy it because I'm not sure the next few will be up to up to that level. Mm, but we'll see. We'll Mission cross- returns on. on uh, it's the TV schedule, diminishing returns. Mm, we'll cross that bridge as the warmed-up cold cuts come in. Uh, and, and until we next get together, it is my job to tell you that he is at JRH Rising on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. <laughs> we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Jimmy Del Rey wasn't that big. Dave Meltzer, you're being very harsh. Powder Blue does also not suit Dean Douglas. Love you. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.